Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Gargoyle Podcast, where we take movies seriously, just not ourselves. I'm Nathan, a.k.a. the Gargoyle. And I'm Eric, a.k.a. the Chimerican. And on this episode, we have very, very, very special guest, Brian Salisbury of Junk Food Cinema. Special is how the state of Texas would define me, yes. <laughs> You're special in our hearts. Special in a way that the bus is smaller. <laughs> This is going to be an interesting interview. It is. I have been drinking since 10 o'clock this morning. It's, it's hard to say. Uh, the, I want to say the Chattanooga Film Fest, Chattanooga in general is a city that, um, that man, they take pride in their food. They take pride in their alcohol. And I am someone who takes pride in indulging both of those things. So, you know, I, I, I can't fault them for being an incredible town for both of those. Chattanooga is a, uh, a wonderful town. Um, all right, so we are super excited to be interviewing you because as soon as they announce... Y'all the need junk- to aim higher and have bigger goals look, in life. Look, but, all right. No, if you aim low, <laughs> then it's easier to meet your goals. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Welcome back to the Aim Low Podcast. <laughs> No, we are for real excited. Like, as soon as they Thank announced that junk much, food man. was going to be here, uh, that was, like, one of the things that I got most excited about because it, you have a great podcast. We we really try, and it's very sweet of, of you guys to say that. I You know, we, we pour a lot of heart and soul into it, and we try really hard to put out a good product, and it's uh, it, it, it's great that people actually give a shit. <laughs> yeah, <that's, laughs> we give all of the shits. I, I love all of the shits that you give. Yeah, and I mean all of the hard work. I think like I think it really sh- shines through. I mean, junk food is easily like my go-to podcast. I think like if I just need to turn something on, then I'll just immediately go to junk food first. Like it's just like you and Cargill just have such a great rapport. And yeah, it helps that we were friends first. And I'm glad to hear you say that because for most people, it's the go away podcast. It's not their go to. <laughs> it's not, this is my go away podcast. It's the one that makes me realize I should just listen to the radio. <laughs> so I, I appreciate you saying that. Well, and uh, I, I told you this when we met last night that like I love the podcast so much that I kind of hate you a little bit because that is what I want this podcast to be. So every time I listen to it, and it's like, I love what they're doing, and now I can never do that because it'll just be ripping them off. If it makes you feel better, I feel like I rip off other podcasts all the time. <laughs> I, I mean, like, I mean, podcasts like We Hate Movies and uh, 80s All Over, I mean, even though 80s All Over started after us. Um, I am enamored of what Drew and Scott do. I'm enamored of, of what Bobby does editing wise on that show. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, if you listen to any given episode of junk food cinema and I, I tell Bobby this all the time, we are in constant communication. Um, I love what he does and I will constant like literally the blue thunder episode we just did. <laughs> there are so many Airwolf references <laughs> and it's because Bobby made that a fucking thing. And I, the, actually the thing I'm most proud of in the last year of this podcast is the uh, uh, Super Street Shider 2. <laughs> oh my god, I, I need that game. Because I, 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 Cargill does not listen to the show after it's produced, and I, I, I let him listen to that, and he's like, oh my god, that's genius. I'm like, yeah, I actually edit the show. <laughs> like, it's not, I don't just like fucking crank it out raw like when we do it. Like I promise you, I actually edit it, and, and Bobby... Bobby, who edits uh, 80s All Over, is my biggest uh, idol when it comes to editing podcast. He's a fucking genius. No, 80s All Over is fantastic. He's, like, he's totally amazing. Agree. And, and, he, so and, and I am, I'm anxious for the day where we get to have him as a guest on Junk Food Cinema because he has told us no less than 50 times I would love to be a guest. And I can't 
believe we have not already <laughs> had him on the show. <laughs> it will happen very soon. But I mean, like between that and 80s all over and how did this get made? Like there, there are a lot of podcasts that I look up to that I emulate and that I really try to, to I'm going to say emulate a second time because I'm drunk. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's, uh, but, but that's the thing is like, Every single person that you look up to looks up to somebody else. Like it's just mm. it's the nature of things. So, well, that actually leads uh, perfectly into the uh, first question that I You're have. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you for uh, not planning to do a thing perfectly. Sure, 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 sure. Uh, all right. So we listened to the episode that you did with Dick Miller because oh, you know yeah. God, God rest his soul. Um, and we love that episode so much, in part because, first off, you're still using that as your intro, but when he referred to you as two giddy guys, yeah. like, that, it, it just stuck with us. You know, like, we are so giddy to be interviewing you that, like, we want to know who else would you be giddy about having? So, like, who else oh is God. on that Dick Miller level of just, we need to have this person? Well, I mean... We all know Dick Miller. Nobody's on the Dick Miller level, let's be honest here. But... Yeah. <laughs> Funny story. <laughs> Funny, awful, terrible story about that is I was sitting at a bar in an airport on the way to come here uh, to Chattanooga. Chattanooga Film Fest 2019. Uh, and I was sitting at the bar, and I found out that there was a shooting at the La Quinta downtown in Central Texas, Central Austin. Uh, that's the hotel where we interviewed Dick Miller. Oh, geez. And somebody just got fucking murdered there. <laughs> so, like, shit got real. Uh, right? So like just that is completely an aside, but I was sitting in, I was sitting at the bar in the hotel, in the hotel, the airport on the way here, and they were like, uh, <laughs> somebody got murdered at the La Quinta Central Austin downtown. I was like, oh, that's where we interviewed Dick Miller. Um, on that level, I was, I tell you what, man, I was so fortunate that in early in my career, I got to interview Roger Corman. I got to sit in a room with Roger and Julie Corman and talk about his movies and how he got started. It was, I, I wish I could communicate how insanely enthused I was to just be in the same room as Roger Corman. Yeah. It was the kind of thing that like, you know, you go back home for family reunions, like I got to interview Roger Corman. Like, who are you? I'm like, I'm your nephew. <laughs> like, I, I'm part of this family. Don't worry about it. Um, Did you go to the wrong family reunion? I Just show to someone else's it's family. It's possible. Um, but, like, Roger Corman was high on that list. Uh, I think if I ever got the chance to interview Kurt Russell. Oh, my God, yes. I would probably lose my sh I would be a giddy guy and a half. Um, you know, getting to interview, like, and I, I'll say this. I got to interview uh, Keanu Reeves. When oh, he wow, okay. first came to Fantastic Fest for the first John Wick, and that was, but and that's really before I understood how great Keanu Reeves is as a person. Sure. Uh, so, Fantastic Fest has an event called the Fantastic Debates. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this, but it's um, it's a debate where they get in the ring and they stand at podiums and they uh, plead their case. And then after their case is pleaded, they box. <laughs> like that's heard, okay, I have heard about this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they literally stand in the ring, they they debate a subject, and then when the subject when the debate is over, they box each other in the is ring. Is this when they did when didn't they have like Uwe Uwe Ball? What, how are you fucking that's pronounce fucking piece Uwe of Ball? Shit. Yeah, Uwe he Ball, was there, yeah. right? Uh, and I'll say it, I'll say it on like that fucking piece of shit Uwe <laughs> Ball. Um, yeah, he was like, I'll fight any filmmaker, and it's like, yeah, but in the meantime, 
actual respectable people also fight. Um, <laughs> and one of the one of the years I was a I was a corner man for somebody who was fighting, and it happened to be the year that uh, John Wick was there, and it was the year that Alex Winter had a documentary at Fantastic Fest. Uh-huh. So I'm backstage, and I'm a corner man for somebody, and I look up, and to my left is Keanu Reeves, and to my right is Alex Winter, and I'm just like. <laughs> And Bill and Ted are, they're not talking to each other, but they're in the same. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And now, of course, they're, they're, they've announced Bill and Ted 3. Yes. And I'm like, are you guys, need-? I would like a back step. Can you guys like, like get together? Like, just have a, con- I don't give a shit about what. Just have a conversation. And uh, it was like, God, I w- it was like, I wish George Carlin was still alive right now. Because oh, how yes. great would that have been if he was the fucking referee in that fight? <laughs> um, it was like it was like celebrity deathmatch, except it was for real, except real yeah. and I was living it, and I wasn't as high as I am right now. Um, <laughs> nobody had to die. Um, but I mean, wait, you talk about people who would make me get an interview? Shit, man. Um, uh, Kurt Russell again for sure. Um, Catherine Bigelow would be somebody I would just lose my shit to interview. Uh, the late Bill Paxton, unfortunately, I will never get the chance to interview. Um, there's there's so many. Like, I could go on for days about the junk food <laughs> legends. The, like, dude, I got to interview like at the very beginning of this podcast. And this is probably something that most people don't know because they haven't heard it. Before Dick Miller, before the, you're listening to Junk Food Cinema with Dick Miller, you know who the first person was who recorded a... Uh, a bumper for us. Do you guys know this? I don't know this actually. Fred the Hammer Williamson. Oh, nice. Fred the Hammer Williamson recorded a bumper that said, "You're listening to Junk Food Cinema with Brian and Cargill. So sit down. You might just learn something." <laughs> and I tell you what, man, like that interview with him was one of the greatest high points of my entire <laughs> life. Like that guy is someone who I have all the respect in the world for. I am a huge black exploitation fan. Um and he is just he's a guy who represents everything that we love about what we talk about and the fact that he is the first he was the very first person to record a bumper uh after that we had don coscarelli who recorded a bumper for us um and then we had dick miller who we will never like out of respect we will never retire that again it will always be dick miller who opens every show um, but yeah, there's a shit ton of people. Like I could go on all night, but I realize you guys got shit to do. So, <laughs> well, I've got to say, like this is exactly why I love junk food so much because your enthusiasm just shines through at everything that you do. Like I love, like in the in the Chattanooga Film Fest little directory pamphlet thing they have here, they refer to junk food cinema as a shame-free celebration of movies. Yeah, and I love it because a you guys have no shame, which is great. <laughs> but no, but like for, like you don't. I feel you, like it's. I just gotta say this real quick. If you had actually been here in the room all of you listening if you'd been here in the room the last five minutes and seen what i did you would know i have no shame whatsoever enjoy that beer but no like see this is like this is i mean that's kind of like the ideal that we've set set for ourselves with our podcast is like we want to celebrate movies like of all types like we don't believe in why would you shit on shit like exactly it it, it makes no sense to me that you have as much as i love podcasts like you know we hate movies and uh and how did this get made? Those podcasts are going for a very specific demographic, a very specific um, mantra that I just I don't have. Yeah. As much as I love that, and we've had Eric Siska on our podcast from We Hate Movies. I think We Hate Movies is if you want to. Uh, God damn it! All right, here we go. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna say some 
pretentious shit right now. Good. And Bring I'm it. really sorry. Um, I think good podcasting is the same as good improv. I think every principle that makes a good improv is exactly what you have to have for good podcasting. It's listening to each other. It's yes and. It is running with bits whenever they come up. And that's exactly like, the pinnacle of that for me is we hate movies. Like those are four guys that have obviously gone through improv classes and have really put in the work. And they, they get it. And so having Eric Siska from We Hate Movies on our uh, Young Guns episode last year was amazing to me. Because that, that is what I strive for in every episode, is to just run with things. I mean, and, and if, you listen to our, if you listen to our podcast and we go into these sidebars and we go into these divergences. Mm, like God, we, I love the sidebars. I, I appreciate that because <laughs> I never know. <laughs> so much so that I recommended that they call one of their drinks the sidebar sidecar. I, you know, you and I have talked about this and I love the idea of doing a YouTube video of how to make the perfect sidebar. Not a sidecar, but I'm like... I'm starting to pretend to make a drink and then just talk about it. You know what's great about Gremlins 2? Yeah. Uh, like, as I'm fucking trying to mull an orange, like, what I love about Gremlins 2 uh, and just running with it because, yeah, the, the, the sidebar conversations, the tangents we go on uh, are, to me, exactly what you need to kind of just roll with when you do podcasts. It's, it's, mm. it's fucking improv, man. That's, that's, that's entirely what it is. And if you can't embrace like the yes and of an improv you really shouldn't be doing podcasts and, yeah. I, and again that's just i'm drunk and that's a shitty thing to say but <laughs> no, i'm see, gonna say it anyway i i don't disagree and i i especially love the fact you know like th there was an episode that you did recently that you were trying so hard to find positive things to say the vr sharsky episode <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. my god I had to pull over. I was laughing so hard at some parts. You know, it's it's the reason that that episode is the reason that I've retired the $25 tier is because like we have the whole thing with, with junk food cinema is that we have really prided ourselves on. We're going to talk about movies that we love. We're going to talk about movies that we're positive on. We are never going to talk about movies that we hate because there's so many podcasts that do that better. There's so many podcasts that have cornered the market on we hate this movie and we're going to talk shit about it. We're just going to be a bad movie podcast. Yeah. We are a podcast about bad movies that we love because that is, that's our niche. Yeah. It's like, yeah, these movies aren't great, but we still love them for this reason or that. So we have never bought into the idea of just doing an hour of shitting on a movie. Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, we, you get enough of people shitting on things just in <laughs> life in general. Yeah, in, in no, every, absolutely. every corner of the internet. Before we don't you need guys more showed up, I was shitting it. in that toilet. <laughs> so much. Because Chattanooga. Guys, if you haven't been here, the was food it, was here. Was it the fried chicken? Is that what did it? No, it was hot dogs. It was hot dogs, uh, yeah. <laughs> I went to Good Dog, which is an amazing fucking hot dog place. Between that, between the beers, between the booze, between the fucking moon pies I had during that live D&D session, between... Have, have like, you had a Monte Cristo from City Cafe yet? I, do, do you want to kill me? No, but you need a Monte Cristo from City Cafe. Are you sure you don't want to kill me? Because <laughs> this place seems to be actively trying to murder me. So it's, you know, it's, and I can't, I can't blame it because it's, it's, you know, exactly like we talk about with the show. Like we understand this food is bad for us. <laughs> we understand that when I ordered two hot dogs with chili and mustard and poutine fries and a PBR that didn't have a label on it, <laughs> which is literally the only thing PBR has going for it is the blue ribbon. And it was a blue ribbon with no writing on it. I should have been like, am I going to die? Is it, this, are you it, sure it was PBR? That's no. <laughs> it was a PBR. Are you really a PBR? 
is what it joke. was. Hey, Nathan, that was a solid joke. <laughs> it's okay to have your own jokes. Solid joke. It's okay to have your own jokes. Yeah, we <laughs> we've been giving Eric shit all weekend for <laughs> so for not being his own person, which is so, so horrible, <laughs> so horrible of us. But you know, I and I gotta say this: you guys are like, I I I was looking forward to this trip. I did not know how great it was going to be to meet the junkions here in Chattanooga. Like you got, there's literally a shirt sitting in front of us that I got from one of our, our listeners that says Chud Nelson. Yeah. <laughs> so it's and a I pun have, and it's two movies. I love. So. I have, I, I haven't decided if I'm going to get him to sign it or if it is going to be a gift for Cargo. You're going to get Judd Nelson to sign that shirt. No, no. I, you know what? You could find him. I have something for Cargill. I haven't decided if it is going to be a gift for him or if it is going to be a gift of getting him to sign it. Whatever you decide it is, uh, I'm going to be there <laughs> to record <laughs> on video what happens there. I mean, I guess we can say it because he's not here, but... <laughs> so well, Nathan this, went to an this antique This episode's going to be out after uh, we talk to him anyway, so... Uh, so Nathan went to a, an antique store. An antique store. A pawn shop. <laughs> it's not an antique no, no, no. store. Okay, hold on, hold on. I have to... I have, oh my <clears> God, yes. Okay. So this morning, Nathan texts me and he's like, all right, hey, I'm going to stop at the pawn shop to pick up V.I. Warshawski and then I'm going to come pick you up. And Be I was like, hold on a minute. Hold on. On Blu-ray. On Blu-ray, yes. Which I is read. not a thing that should exist. But here's the thing about it. You knew that the movie was there because you had seen it previously. You showed up at the pawn shop as soon as they opened in the morning. And I really just want to know what's going through the clerk's mind when somebody walks in as soon as the shop opens, deliberately picks up a copy of V.I. Warshawski, and te- like you knew what you were going there to get. There was no like hesitation looking through movies. Like Yeah, it's... Uh, I just, <laughs> the fact I just that want you, to know what's going through that person's all, mind. The fact that you found V.I. Warshawski on Blu-ray Ray. I, I just want to point out. You're holding it up and I still don't believe it exists. I want to point out. I'm that looking at Roger it. Ebert said thumbs up. I. Roger. Okay, I don't know if he said that about this movie. Roger. Like <laughs> here's the here's the funny That's thing about it. Bob Hoskins. I love Roger Rabbit. I love it whenever they whenever they put thumbs up because you know that it didn't get two thumbs up. It's so clearly a single thumb <laughs> up. Did, it was the one of one of the yeah. people. I, I don't. I think that it was just a different movie that got a thumbs up. I want to. I want to assume Roger Ebert did say thumbs up. I'm gonna be a little <laughs> apocryphal right now and assume that it was actually Ebert. Or, or, that it was actually Siskel that gave it the thumb up right as he was having the aneurysm. Um, oh, no. Too far? Uh, <laughs> because that movie, I wanted I wanted so much to like that movie. I, I thought it was uh, I thought it was genial. I thought it was just a fun whatever. And then the more Cargill talked about it, the more I was like, you know what? I hate, and believe me, it pains me to say this. But he was right. At least you tried, though. And like that's I the, tried that's so the hard. thing in all the episodes that we've done. There is one movie that we've covered that was just painful to talk about, but we tried our best. Sinister? No. To at least find something. Sinister po- two. Yes. <laughs> to at least find something positive to say. No, hold on, hold on a second. Speaking of finding something positive to say, I love how even Cargill says like trash talk Sinister it, okay. two on the podcast. You say that it took him seven jokes by me. To finally come around to doing that, I made seven fucking Sinister Two jokes before he was finally like, "Yeah, that movie's not." Good. I can't remember. I can't remember which episode it was, but I listened to it just the other day, and I was like, "Oh, nice." And I will say this: to be fair, to be fair, to be fair, I read the Sinister Two script when he was like first shopping it around. There was shit in that script that I was like, "I got to put this down. This is freaking me out too much." 
So whatever they end up making in that movie was not what was in that script. Speaking of things in Sinister, this is Sinister 1, not Sinister 2. That sure, let's do this now. Yeah. Of course. I didn't um, work on it, but let's talk about it. So <laughs> when uh, when Ethan Hawke is like watching the videos sure. and you see uh, Bagul like move, at one point I was like, okay, did that actually just happen? And I found myself like rewinding and pausing and doing the exact same thing that Ethan Hawke was doing in the movie to the movie. And that I, really is Ethan Hawke. I, yeah. No, like, really I, in the movie. I, I, that's not what I'm talking about. It's, but like, it's I, not CGI. I Ethan had Hawk. to take a step back because I was doing what he was doing in the movie. Sure. And it creeped me out. Just like this is, ooh, it's too real. Gotta, gotta I, take a you step know, back. And I'll say this. Uh, I'll say this because I'm drunk and who cares. I, um, <laughs> you know, Cargill and I have heard our differences. And, and at that time when that movie came out, I, he and I were not talking very much. And I watched that movie and I was like, this is so fucking good. Yes. That I like so walked up to him and I was like, dude, I got to give credit where credit <laughs> is due. That was, a, and I wrote a very positive review and ended up getting quoted on the LA like advertising for the movie. Oh, nice. Uh, I said like, this is the shit that nightmares are made of. And it, it got quoted all over fucking billboards in LA. And like, it was one of those weird things that like we weren't. We weren't on necessarily on speaking terms at the time. We were feuding. On, I don't even fucking know on what, but but it was the quality s- of the yeah, Wachowski. <laughs> not so much. Uh, but it was one of those things. Like he had had made such a great horror movie that I just I could not pretend that that was not the case. So it mm. was it was one of the things that kind of brought us back together. Was um, was how great I found that movie. And it was it was entirely because you know you watch those scenes and like it feels like a fucking living nightmare. I think that should actually be the uh, the quote for Sinister brings people back together. It brings people together. It brought us back together, and then we started doing this podcast. So you know, mm. it is what it is. So uh, I, I want to know, like you know, we've talked about the just your love for bad movies that aren't bad, like they're good. Yeah, there's yeah. something about them. That, they're not that a good movie, but they're a great movie. Right. Exactly, yeah. Where did your love for this junk food cinema begin? Like, my what are some of the things? It's it's my grandmother, and it's weird because, uh, so my, <laughs> it's the weirdest thing to say, but my grandmother used to go to garage sales every Thursday. Every Thursday, <laughs> she would go to garage sales, and her VHS closet was stacked to the rafters with the most insane shit. And she was a big fan of movies like Death Race Two Thousand. Oh, nice! And like, she just she was enamored with these really fucking B movies that I had never heard of that I was watching at like, you know, age 11, age 12 and just falling in love with. And then of course the other part of that is that my dad is a is my dad is a, is a weird contradiction because he was a letterman in several sports, tennis, football, track. Uh, he was he was a, a jock, but he was also a trekkie. He was also somebody who loved John Carpenter. He was all like my da- my da- my dad's a weird guy. Like he <laughs> he exists in a lot of different spheres. Uh, and when I was about six years old, I got to watch Halloween with my mom and my dad. Oh, nice! And my aunt. And I remember I <laughs> At wasn't six? even six. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I wasn't even scared because it was like, oh my god, I get to sit with the grown-ups to watch the grown-up movie. So between my grandmother collecting VHS of various movies, and my dad being a huge genre fan and introducing me to movies before it was possibly responsible to introduce me to these movies um 
that's that's just that's where the you know the seed is like that's that's how this all got started that's interesting i feel like that that's true for a lot of genre fans like it's like i watched these movies before i was supposed to and yeah. it's funny to me because like that's kind of how it was for me as well but like with my kids i'm so careful about about what movies they watch sometimes and i don't really yeah. know like I don't want to like shelter them from movies or anything, but at the same time, I'm like, are they really ready for this kind of stuff? But at the same time, you don't want to fuck it up. Exactly. Like, yeah. it, it's the crazy. And I, I put this on Twitter recently about I wanted to show my oldest son, Alien, and he's almost he's almost eight years old. Yeah. And I thought Alien would be a good entry point into horror because there's not a lot of nudity, there's not a lot of language. You know, there's a little bit of like non-nudity, nudity. Little, very little. Well, and the thing, but it's it's not. It's well, I was gonna say it's non-sexual nudity. The nudity is the only thing in that movie that is not sexual, <laughs> which is pretty fascinating. Yeah, but he's not gonna understand the subtext true. of the HR Geiger trying to fuck everything that moves. <laughs> uh, but it's just it's one of those things that like the first movie, I was there for my eldest son's uh, first foray into seeing a movie in a the theater, and it was Jurassic World. And I mean, we're talking about a kid who's four years old. And losing his shit and loving monsters eating people, like that's what he—that's what he loves. That's his thing. And I'm like, shit. I feel like Alien is going to be right up his alley. And of course, I got so many responsible people like, oh, that's irresponsible. Don't do that. Don't do that at all. And it made me kind of second guess myself. But the more I think about, the more I think about it, it's like these people who are giving me these heartfelt responses don't know my son exactly, and yeah. don't know the kind of fucking maniac that he is. <laughs> and, and so I, I really think Alien is going to be a movie that, if, if nothing else, he'll probably think it's boring. Because I tried to show him Jaws, and he thought it was boring. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? Like, he uh. wasn't scared of it. He was just like, this is boring, you know? Th that's unfortunate because it is a perfect movie. Yeah, and and when he's older, but, I'll introduce it to well, him again. It's but, funny yeah. too, but like Alien is the movie that made me appreciate slow, like because Alien's not slow. I don't think it's slow, but it is very it's deliberately methodical. paced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it is. But and, it, it made, it's the kind of movie. That, it's the movie that made me appreciate that kind well, of. Well, it's because like, the attention to detail. O'Bannon and, takes the time because it is an O'Bannon script. He takes the time. We to are in the middle of April. April O'Bannon. April O'Bannon. Uh, he takes the time to develop those characters, even in shorthand, even in character shorthand, which is one of the things that I love about movies is when you can do shorthand correctly. Um, even in character shorthand, he takes his time to develop those characters and make something interesting, and that's why it takes a little while because he's he's developing the characters. Mm. And that's what we love about the movie. Like, we don't necessarily love the Xenomorph. We love Harry Dean Stanton. We love Ian Holm. We love Yafet Koto. We yeah, love... It is one of the most just absorbing movies ever. Like, and I feel like... I've, it's insane. one of the movies... One of the only movies I've ever watched, like, twice in a row. Like, as soon as I finished it, I was like, I need to watch this again immediately. Because it was... Sure. just You just get so wrapped up in it. Alien and The Thing are, like, my go-to movies to show people who don't love horror. There would to, be no like, th to try to get yes, them yeah. into... It's not horror, but it is terrifying. And there would be no thing without Alien. Yes. But there would be no Alien without 2001 A Space Odyssey, mm. which is hard for me to swallow because I fucking hate 2001 A Space Odyssey. <laughs> oh, wow, okay. But I appreciate that it exists because without it, there would be no Alien, there would be no The Thing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So uh, when you're talking about, like, how to introduce your kid to horror movies... Yeah. I, like, I, I think back on my own experiences, because I've heard a lot of people talk about when you try to show horror to kids, yeah. like, they almost start rejecting it. And it's the kids who sneak the horror who really get into it. It's, and, I mean, we're well, all, the, the thing that's crazy about this is we're sitting here, and all three of us are dads. Yes. And it's one of the things that I've had to kind of realize recently is that, you know, I, 
I came up with a bunch of dudes who were film critics who didn't have kids, who were never interested in having kids. And, you know, I felt like kind of an outlier for being a family man. Um, and then the more I talked to people, the more I talked to guys like you, the more like literally and you, you all aren't even like the only people I've talked to at this festival. Uh, who also have kids. I like to think that we are. Yeah. I like to think that the reason that you were sitting here was just waiting, just like, where, where are the Gargoyle yeah, guys? guys the, <laughs> the invisible fucking bartender, like the shining back there. Um, you've always been the caretaker, Mr. Salisbury. Damn, uh, I was just about to make that joke. You're welcome. Um, but Gary, Indiana. It, <laughs> don't ask him about that joke. Do not ask your parents about that joke. I... Uh, <laughs> It's just been interesting to hear these people talk about their kids and what they what they want to show them. And, and I, I am very fortunate in that uh, my wife had a child from a previous marriage who was, you know, almost four years old when I met him. So in a very short span of time, I went from having zero kids to having two kids because we got pregnant very quickly. Um, so it was like literally I went from having no kids to two kids like that. Like, yeah. <laughs> Um, so I have thought about parenting a lot, and uh, I um, I think that if Alien is not the first horror movie that I showed to Drake, my oldest, uh, it'll be Poltergeist, because I think Poltergeist is Poltergeist might hit home a little Poltergeist harder for is a, a kid. PG thirteen. Oh, it's PG. Or it's PG. It's You're PG, right. There was yeah. no PG thirteen. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a PG movie that is like, and that's the thing is like, if he can, again, the first movie we saw in the theater together was Jurassic World. If he can fucking sit through the Indominosaurus fucking chomping down on not quite David Harbour, like, he will fucking no, be the, fine. The with, pterodactyl scene in Jurassic World is what gets me. Yeah. That is brutal. As, it is. It is, brutal it is as so brutal. And he loved it. He loved every second of that movie. And like, I will never forget, and you can put this on your podcast, but hopefully my wife never hears it. Um, <laughs> There was one day I was watching Deep Rising for the podcast, and he was there with me, so he's watching Deep Rising with me. And I told him, I was like, Drake, just please don't repeat any of the words you hear in this movie, because it's an R-rated movie. Mm. Um, and several weeks later, I remember I said something to him about secrets, and he said, yeah, I can keep a secret. I never said any of those words. And I was like, what, what words? And he's like, we're watching that movie with all the guys with the squids on the boat. And I was like, you mean Deep Rising? It's like, yeah, I never said any of those words. And I was like, you know what? You didn't. You upheld your end of that bargain, <laughs> which was that we watched this movie and you don't repeat it. And I was like, wow, you are correct. You never fucking betrayed my confidence. You never said any of those words. So the fact that my son has already watched Deep Rising, like he can handle Alien if he can handle Deep oh, Rising, so. right? Like, I think so. Yeah, my kid was two months old and watched the uh, Sleepy Hollow. Does that count? Sleepy Hollow. Can we talk about Sleepy Hollow for a second? Um, Let's. There is not enough R-rated Tim Burton. There, there is, is not. Not totally enough agree. Tim Burton really just fucking going whole hog. We just rewatched it. Well, I j not just rewatched it, but back in October, we we did a, an episode where we talked about it. And um, okay, actually, I wasn't I, on that episode. I I want to highlight the fact this was for sixty days of Halloween when we put out a daily podcast. This week, or that week, was when the fear was decapitations. Sure. Yep. So yep. we watched yep. uh, Tag and Sleepy Hollow and um, Pieces and... Oh, my God, Pieces. Jean, pieces. Jean Piquier oh, Simone's Pieces. So Jean Piquier Simone, who also did Slugs, who also did a movie called uh, Pod People, 
which is my favorite episode of junk food of junk food of uh <laughs> mr science theater of all time yeah he is uh he is a fucking junk food legend here simone um pieces has my favorite Chekhov ever which is Chekhov's random ninja yes <laughs> yes it's amazing yeah we didn't have Chekhov's racist stereotype <laughs> the episode yeah. we did on pieces was great if we you've watched on. Star Trek Chekhov is Chekhov's <laughs> random stereotype like, <laughs> like that is the random stereotype that Chekhov is. oh man so yes Tim Burton anyway, needs to do more yes. R movies going back to that he does but Sippy yeah. Hollow it's so good yeah it's like so was... great and it's funny because you get like it's basically <clears throat> Jason Voorhees who by the way I'm I'm wearing my Jason Voorhees hockey mask socks. Um, but it's Jason Voorhees for like old British character actors. Yeah, it's so great. It's just Jason Voorhees fucking mowing down people like <laughs> Michael Gambon and Michael Goh and fucking, God, like name a fucking British character actor. He gets murdered in that movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you get to see, um, um, I don't know what not the British version. You get to see Dumbledore die on a fence. I don't know what the British equivalent of the SAG card is. But it's a fucking murder of SAG actors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's the kind of movie. It's like I have to be reminded that Tim Burton is, well, at least at some point, was a great director. I don't know. I, I think he still has the potential. He's just kind of stuck with in the Disney movie he, mode right now. But Okay, so here's the, the thing about Tim Burton is that Tim Burton is an iconoclast. <clears throat> Tim Burton is a filmmaker who makes movies about weirdos, and how they're persecuted and how they're different and how they don't feel they don't feel at home in the real world, right? The problem is that Tim Burton himself has become so mainstream mm. that he's not that weirdo anymore. Right. He is part of what used to be the class of people maligning the weirdo. And now it's like it's it's come full circle where he's literally the fucking Hollywood elitist douchebag who is not he's not persecuted anymore. And that's the problem. That's so what you're saying is we need to persecute Tim Burton more. We need to pick on him. We need yeah. to pick on him. <laughs> uh, we need to find out where he lives and fucking throw eggs at his house. <laughs> thank you for thank you for ensuring that Tim Burton will never be a guest on our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> like that was ever going to happen. That was, yeah, I'm sorry. I put an end to that. <laughs> so speaking of Tim Burton, yes, uh, his, his little bit about every story has a beginning, middle, and end. Can we talk about how beers are the best tasting beers? I'm sorry. What were you saying? <laughs> <laughs> Are they are they better than labelless beers? <laughs> we were talking yesterday about how free food always tastes better, even like if it's cold. <laughs> free everything. Sorry, what? I, I don't know if I should post that. So Tim Burton with his beginning, middle, and end, sure. with uh, Frankenweenie and Corpse Bride and uh, Nightmare Before Christmas all being the same story, but just not in the same order. Sure. We've started doing a thing where we do beginning, middle, and end with various movies that have nothing to do with each other. And this started when we were talking about Pit Cemetery and how Fred Gwynn started out as the lawyer in My Cousin Vinny. Sure. And then you get to see him retired in Pet Cemetery. Was the judge in My Cousin Vinny. Yes, the judge in My yeah. Cousin yeah. Vinny. Then you get to see him retired in Pet Cemetery and then he dies and becomes Herman Munster. <laughs> So, uh, so I want to know from one of the movies that you've had a chance to see at CFF this year, what beginning, middle, and end would you build around around that? I mean, not related to a CFF film, but I tell you what, I love the idea that Roy Scheider was <laughs> I'm on board with this. 
Roy, Roy Scheider was a, uh, a helicopter pilot for the police department in L.A., and shit got so fucked up, he decided to abandon the big city and move out to Martha's Vineyard and be a small town sheriff. And then, <laughs> wouldn't you know it, there's a shark attack. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I really like the idea that, that the, the thing that he keeps talking about in Jaws that made him move out to a small town was actually <clears throat> the events of Blue Thunder. Even though... Temporally, that doesn't quite add up. But you know, you know the the water is like blue thunder, in that yeah. it is blue. You know, it's only blue thunder if you look at it from the water. <laughs> not entirely sure that that fits, but it fits. Why not? We'll go with it. Oh my god! All right, <clears throat> going back a second with uh, watching horror movies as a kid. Yeah, yeah. I think that my foray into horror was Disney movies. Because Disney movies are creepy and weird, and they all involve some sort of witches or demons. They, or some, some innocent something dying. Or horribly. something innocent dying. A lot of mama trauma. A lot so, of mama trauma with Disney. So these are obviously not horror movies, except for the fact that they are totally horror movies. So another thing that we like to do on the podcast is talk about non-horror horror movies, like the fact that Home Alone, totally a horror movie. Yeah. What are some non-horror but totally horror movies that you can think of? I mean, Home Alone's a horror movie in that it's the the movie that celebrates the one percent. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Peter McAllister. I'm sorry, that dude made money by Nazi gold. Like, no, oh, no, there's there's some shady shit going Chicago, on in there. There's some fucking house, and on. then he has money to take everybody to Paris. Like. You like <laughs> that guy did some shady fucking shit to get that fortune, no doubt about it. Um, I think uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit is a horror movie. Oh yeah, that for does sure. not get talked about as a horror movie, but that uh, when when Christopher Lloyd does in that movie is no fucking horrifying. It's your cartoon shoes, Marty. We're gonna talk about your shoes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> When Christopher Lloyd takes off his human mask and becomes the cartoon, yeah. that scene terrified me for yeah. so long. That movie terrified me the last time I watched it, and that was last year. So, <laughs> I mean, like, let's get real. As it turns out, up. it's fucking scary. Yeah, I, I mean, there's a number of movies like that where it's like, you know, you will get freaked out by shit that is not necessarily intended to be a horror movie but it will freak you the fuck out uh, large march fucking large march <laughs> Pee-wee's big adventure scared the shit out of me for a very long time um yeah like you could run down oh fucking willy wonka like oh, the fucking sure. willy wonka and the willy chocolate wonka factory. is a slasher movie There's i mean no like earthly way of knowing how many kids i will be mowing <laughs> like I will murder all your children. Like, I love. Do Gene they Wilder, give you? But. Like I know in the in the Tim Burton version, like they give you like at the end, they show that oh, all the kids are okay. I mean, they're they're well, they're not okay. They're happen. just Gene Wilder they're says that they're okay and they're gonna return to their perfectly horrible selves. Do, do, do we trust Gene Wilder it. after the events you of Willy Wonka? You should not trust him after that. I think that Willy Wonka is a warlock. He may be. I, I remember as a kid, I he got, just conjured the Oompa Loompas. I got teeth. I got teased a lot as a kid. People would be like, the Salisbury's taste like Salisbury's. <laughs> like, whatever. I hope you drown in a chocolate river, you asshole. I'm sorry. I shouldn't be laughing at this, but. No, it's fine. You should have, you should have warned us before you said that. My personal pain. Why don't you yuck it up? 
drown in a chocolate river, you piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> that actually sounds kind of nice. Chocolate yeah. river. That's a good way Especially to go. Especially right now. It's a good way to go. It is. Yeah. Uh, why? Why am I? Why are you having me on this? <laughs> this. This is exactly. This is why. why. All right. It is that sheer joy and love. Of I feel movies. bad for your listeners. That this is what they're hearing right now. But <laughs> You're looking at the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, <laughs> we're just gonna. Keep <laughs> Actually, I don't even count because so, I don't ever go back. I don't go back and listen. I, I really am basically the cargo of this show because I I I basically just show up. Like, you do all of the legwork, and I'm just like, okay, when are we meeting, and I'll come talk. I might have some notes. No, you're not the cargo, because you come to him. <laughs> that is if, true, If we yes. ever had to record outside of Cargill's office, he would probably quit the show, so. <laughs> I'd be like, I got this studio. No, living room or bust. Yeah. Well, to be fair. To be fair. <laughs> to be fair. I often, there'll be times where Nathan's like, hey, you want to come over to record? And I'm like, ah, why don't we just record on our lunch break today? <laughs> like... Yeah, yeah. Anywho. Lunch breaks. In, <laughs> lunch breaks would uh, insinuate the cargo has a job, <laughs> which she is lucky enough to not have to have. So he doesn't have a lunch break. He just doesn't wake up till four in the afternoon. <laughs> oh, God. That's not even oh, a joke. Man. He just doesn't wake up till four in the afternoon. All right. I have a question. Have as answer. as someone who I went to college. Good for and you. studied. <laughs> Are you fucking bragging? I might. Well, no. I, what I was going wave to your say. Diploma what I was going, hold on. This carries around with it. There was. There was. There was I'm smart. <laughs> I minored in film studies because I wanted to be a film critic, and I struggled for a little while with rating things. Yeah. So like. Uh, like I use Letterbox, and I like to rate things, even though I don't like the idea of like quantifying a movie's quality. Like sure. I'm still obsessive about like I need to put a rating on something. Okay. So I follow you on Letterboxd, and it's so. funny because sometimes I will see your ratings on there, and I'll see you give a movie like a two and a half, and I'll be like, "Oh man, that's disappointing. He didn't like it." And then I'll read your review, and you'll be like, "Oh, I fucking love this movie. It's great." So I, my question is, <laughs> how do you determine? Because like I feel like. I feel like we might have we have similar tastes, but you rate on a lower scale than the I, way that I do. I I'm try a, to be objective. And uh-huh. The thing is that a, a movie being bad does not in any way preclude me from loving it. Right? right. Clearly, because I do this. Uh, yes. <laughs> and I, I try. I feel like I have to have standards. I feel like I have to have like goalposts to know when a movie like. And again, it doesn't. It doesn't stop me from loving it, but the fact that I know that a movie is bad, the fact that I have certain standards of quality just means that I can forgive a lot. Sure. I don't necessarily need a movie to be five stars for me to enjoy it. Right. Um, but I will be as honest with myself as I possibly can. And Letterboxd is really a way for me to do that. It's... Uh, I don't know. I feel like um, it. It's a place where I can feel free to, because most people don't follow me on there. But uh, <laughs> most people, I, I don't feel, can feel what's, called out by most people on there. What, but what's uh, your what's your letterbox? Tell people your letterbox. I don't want to. I. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's like you know, I I I will be as objective as possible with movies on there because I don't. I don't need a movie to be exceptional. 
to love it. I, I, yeah. It's, no, I, know, I get that. I mean, that's, those things. that's kind of how I try to do it. I try to be objective, but I also like, I don't have any kind of barometer. Like basically my star rating is pretty much just like a gut feeling. It's yeah. like after the movie's over, I'm just like, yeah, that was like a two and a half star movie. I loved it, but I mean, you sure, know, it's, whatever. It's like one of those things that was like, I'm not going to give Casablanca the same rating as Ricochet. I love both of those movies equally for very different reasons. Yeah. But, you know, I'm not going to give them the same star rating. Well, yeah, <laughs> like, that's like, for me, it's like with Deep Blue Sea, Deep Blue Sea's like a three-star movie, but yeah. I will watch Deep Blue Sea over... Deep over, Blue like, Sea is a two-star uh, movie. That is amazing. Uh, it, I, I love it. Yeah. I it's mean, a two-star. I, I tend to go to... Like, I have this weird thing sometimes where I just drop a three-star in there because I'm like, I liked it. I don't think it was great, but I liked it. So, like, I feel like a 60% is, like, a passing well, grade in college. So, it's like, like, I need to give it a passing grade. None of that shit means anything. I like, know, that's true. Well, and, like, that's why the reviews that we do, we talk about the technical and then the emotional. So, like, when we talked about going back to pieces, there is not much going that you can pieces. say about the quality, like, the technical proficiency of pieces. There is not oh, much. Oh, it's garbage. <laughs> but then, like, but then in the emotional, it's just like, oh my god, this is one of my yeah. favorite movies. And, yeah, and like that's the thing that I hate so much about ratings is, are you rating the quality or your enjoyment? And you know, it was either you or Cargill, I think it was Cargill, that posted something about Hellboy and how it had like a nine percent. Oh, no, that was me. Okay, no, I, I, no, I, I, I couldn't. I couldn't remember rant. which one it was. Ranted about Rotten Tomatoes because Rotten Tomatoes that is video garbage. was shitty. Rotten Tomatoes is. A garbage website for garbage people uh, and I'll say it all goddamn day they they first of all are owned by both Universal and Warner Brothers this podcast yeah, not know. brought to you by Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Rotten Tomatoes and you know the crazy thing too is like if you have one like a Warner Brothers movie or something they will like if you go onto the website they'll have an ad for it but they won't show you the rating until you click so on it. so the research that I did was when the Hellboy video came out they said based on 33 rev- reviews the average is 9% for Hellboy, and every fucking mouth-breathing, knuckle-dragging homunculi that <laughs> follows fucking Rotten Tomatoes as gospel was like, well, I guess I won't be seeing Hellboy. Fuck you. Fuck you. And here's why. Because... <laughs> Please tell us how you really feel, I Brian. Looked, I looked it up, and I just... I literally just looked at the list of critics on Rotten Tomatoes whose last names start with A. On Rotten Tomatoes... Do they all start with asshole? They don't, but there's 150 of them. So 33 of 150 of just that tiny subset is 22%. So Rotten Tomatoes put out a video where literally less than a tenth of a percentage of their critics had even seen the movie. Mm -hmm. And they were confident shitting on it with that tiny... Like, I took research methods. Like, like sample size is everything. And they fucking put that video out with less than a tenth of a percent of their fucking critics reporting in. So so now in the... <laughs> for full disclosure, are you a Rotten Tomatoes approved critic? I, I am. Okay, okay just, just want to make sure. I am, but I will never fucking upload shit to them again. Right. Just go and give everything a hundred. Well, but the thing is, like... Even VI. You can't fucking take, oh, here's what the critics say. No, here's what one tenth of one percent of critics mm. say. And you're fucking comfortable shitting on it. And the thing is, they're comfortable doing that because it's not Disney. Yeah. It's not a big studio that they're going to get flack from. It's Lionsgate. So they're like, we're going to shit on this because nobody's going to. And it's like, your goal as a fucking critical aggregate should not be to ruin movies. 
Right. But that's what their goal is. Well, their it goal also is seems to ruin movies that don't pose a threat. To well, them. and it's also very callow too, because it almost seems like with something like they don't want to piss off Disney because Disney has the power to. Yeah. 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 But they I will mean... shit all over movies <clears throat> that have no consequence to them whatsoever. And and honestly, I'll say this: Hellboy could be terrible. It could be. It absolutely could be. But 33 reviews out of fucking that many people is obnoxious <clears throat> to say that, oh, it's only 9%. And then to watch these fucking idiots, these fucking mouth-breathing morons be like, well, I guess I won't see it. Well, then you're fucking <laughs> stupid. I'm sorry. If you're, like, if you're looking at Rotten Tomatoes and going, well, they said it's bad, so I, have, I don't have to think for myself, then you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> Go like, watch the movies you want to watch. Just watch the fucking movies watch you want to watch. Watch the movies you want to watch. Don't let a fucking site named after a vegetable <laughs> to a tell you rotting, what movies to watch. A rotting, a rotting vegetable. Technically a fruit. It, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> it's not meat. It's not carbs. It's not beer. So I don't know what it is. But the point is. That point it doesn't even matter. <laughs> point is, it matters less the more you say shit like that. Ah, uh, oh. I, I remember. No, no, no. I, I, I was trying to remember the uh, the joke that I made during the uh, Crispin Glover intro. <laughs> it has nothing to do with Crispin Glover, and I don't even know why I thought of this, but it just popped back into my mind. Someone needs to create a horror social media and call it Fulci Book. <laughs> I'm, I'm on board with this. I am totally on board. I would with this. gravitate toward that so Chris much. Would do that. Like. A, a horror social media called Fulci Book. Say it again. A horror social media site called Fulci Book. Are you going to allow me to sign up right now? <laughs> <laughs> I, I will sign up. Can I be a charter member? Can I fund this? Can I give you some money on a GoFundMe? And can we yes. make this happen? Yes. Uh, Please make it happen. Can be like a group where I can just talk about Murder Rock all the time? That's what I need. The Cronenberg twins are early adapters <laughs> of the website. <laughs> That movie, fucking that. I love Cronenberg, but that fucking Jeremy Irons twin movie. <laughs> I've, I've actually never seen Dead Ringers just before. Shut up. I think he's talking about Lion King. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, but I am. Uh, no, Dead Ringers. I was like, I love, I love Cronenberg, but fuck this movie. I feel like Dead Ringers. I've like people either think it's like a five star movie or a one star movie. There is no you know, in between with that like, movie. I love Cronenberg. I also <laughs> love. Ancient gynecological instruments. <laughs> so if that's your fucking Venn diagram that you live in, it's the movie for you. Do you think that people love the movie because it's Cronenberg and therefore amazing? Yeah. Like that's the yeah, they just immediately. Yeah, I, I feel like conclusion. if you're objective about that movie, it's fucking god awful. But you know. <laughs> it is what it is. Well, talking about movies that hopefully aren't god awful. Um, we've mentioned a lot of horror movies. Sure. What's your horror movie barometer? Like, what one movie stands as your litmus test against which you judge all other horror movies? Not necessarily the scariest, not necessarily the best, not even necessarily the earliest, but, like, just that one movie that everything else is kind of judged against it at least a little bit. I feel like if it's a movie that gives me a visceral reaction to the point that I am unsettled, you know, it, it like I, I'll never forget the first time I watched Wreck, the first Wreck, mm. uh, which is a Spanish horror film. If you haven't seen it, um, I couldn't go to bed. I was so freaked out by the end of that movie that I literally could not go to bed. I was just like, I'm gonna stay up for a little while. Like yeah. I don't, 
this this has messed with me. Um, uh, and the same is true with a lot of the James Wan ghost story movies. Like just anything that unsettles me to the point that I have trouble sleeping is really, um, I think a a litmus test for the quality of horror. And yeah. it, it, and it's a lot of recent stuff. So I I don't think it's I I don't think it's specific to classics. I think it's just anything that makes me uncomfortable to go to bed. Yeah, you know? no, like, like I had that experience like with Hereditary last year. That was the last movie that really because because with before Hereditary, I feel like I didn't have that experience for a while. Actually, probably Sinister was the last time I had an experience like that before yeah. Hereditary. Yeah. But Hereditary, I was like, I cannot. Like we actually, it's funny that uh, we. My wife and I went to see Hereditary, and after it ended, we were both like, "Uh, yeah, we need a a palate cleanser. We're going to see Jurassic World or whatever the second." Wait, like, so Jurassic you'd already Kingdom. Fallen Kingdom? Had yeah. you already had a child by this point? Yes, yes. You poor bastard. Yes. <laughs> no, see, that was like Ali, and I was like, Ali wanted to go see it. My wife and I was like, but like I really pushed. I was like, we have to see this movie in the theater because of all everything I've been hearing about it. And after the movie's over, she was like, "What the f- did you make me watch?" <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there to this day, like I can't even say the word hereditary. If I start saying like, nope, nope, sh- 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 just shut your mouth, just stop it. I don't want to ever think about that movie again. There was another movie that you watched recently that we both experienced the same the same thing. Um, the we were talk- uh, the guests were Kevin and Jen Sluter, and their fear was like being in enclosed spaces or just being Buried. feeling trapped. Oh, oh man, good. no, it was the descent. And because we both have wives and children, we were watching it with headphones on. Okay, so... Watching The Descent at night with the lights off with headphones. Here's the thing about The Descent. It didn't keep me up, but it was terrifying. I think that it is entirely unnecessary to have the ending of the movie where she crawls out of the cave and then it's a giant fucking... Just kidding! Like, I I just... I I feel like that is... Entirely unnecessary. Oh, that's I, interesting. That's one of the only just kidding endings that I kind of like. I I, I just felt like it was like <clears throat> not needed. I usually but, hate that. It feels like such a cop out. But I think it worked for that movie. I don't remember why, but we did talk about it on the episode. Well, we talked about like w- the the ending that it just shows her just still in the cave. Yeah, like the um, uh, the unreleased ending is the better ending. Yeah. No. Does it? Oh wait. Does it show her crawl out at all? I, I don't think so. Okay, well, I can't remember. It's been it's been. A, we, we've seen I a remember, lot of movies. The ending since then. I remember: she does crawl out of the cave, and she gets in her car. And she's driving away, and it's like, ha 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 ha! Oh no, I'm back in the cave. No, yeah, okay, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's. I'm, that's, like, I'm pretty sure that's the ending we watched. Just don't do that. Uh, yeah, no, no. The uh, the other ending just doesn't show her back. The in other the ending, cave. she goes to Taco Bell and gets like a cheesy gordita crunch. <laughs> she's in the drive thru She's like, boop, boop, boop. yes, hot sauce, please. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll take the Mountain Dew Baja Fresh, and it's like, oh shit, I'm back in the cave. She's like. <laughs> It's like I have famished. And I'll tell you one thing: if that happened to me, it'd be terrifying. I, uh, if I'm fucking waiting on my cheesy gordita crunch, <laughs> and I end up back in that cave. I would just be pissed. I'd just be like, I'd be so angry. <laughs> like I was so looking forward to that chalupa. By the way, instead of that, what you should watch is the ruins, which is a great like, like the plants are trying to kill everybody. Sort of like Mexican is vacation. It, Have you guys seen this? Much the better ruins? than the happening. No. I haven't seen the ruins. Oh. I started re- listening oh. to the book. Oh and my god, it's, get the, through it's it. the way better version of the happening. <laughs> Everything can, is the better version of the happening. Let's I took be real. a piss earlier. It was the better version of the, <laughs> of the happening. Can Can we talk for a second 
about why there's like an entire subgenre of just like aliens that want to fuck you. Where did that come from? Because I thought you were going to say an entire subgenre of plants no, trying to no, kill us. No, as, as you were talking about that, okay, fine. Maybe it made me think of Evil Dead. Did you watch but, Extra recently, or what's going no, on? No, but yeah. thinking about like just well, Alien and Feast and well, aliens um, like that because uh, H.R. Um, Geiger's a fucking creep. Like, <laughs> like let's be species and just like why is that an entire species, subgenre? Okay, so species exist because. Somebody who watched Alien was also looking around going, you know what's great is the erotic thriller. That's a big deal right now. <laughs> so was, let's, yes. Alien meets an erotic thriller equals... You know what's great? Boobs. You know you know what's amazing is boobs. You know? uh, <laughs> that producer was really onto something. He though. really figured out that boobs were a thing. I, uh, <laughs> I, I just think it was like, I, I want to do this as a separate podcast. I've been talking about this uh, for a while now. I want to do a podcast called My New Obsession. Which is about the movies about obsession in the early nineties. Oh yeah, you mentioned this on yeah. something. Some yeah, episode. like it, it's one of those things where like I'm I'm obsessed with obsession, where like early nineties movies were all about one character who cannot let shit go. Like you have fatal attraction, you have basic instinct, you have um, single white female, you have unlawful entry, you have blue steel. You like I could go on and on and on and on and on. About Please these, do. About these, I could, and that's what I want to do with this podcast is just talk about like movies. I want to know why in the early 90s we were so obsessed with obsession. Like I feel like it has to have something to do with surveillance technology or something. I, I feel like it's more of just like the glut. Like that's when people started being more aware of the fact that people – were too obsessed with things. It could be. Like, there was the glut the, of the 80s, but it was just like, ah, whatever. There was just something about that era that we were obsessed with people who were obsessed with things, like Hand the Rocks the Cradle. And again, I could just fucking go on and on and on. Um, but it is fascinating to me where we had this entire film culture where we had characters who were obsessed with other people, and that's what people were obsessed with. So it, it to me, what were we talking about? <laughs> so, so what you're saying is we, horny aliens is horny what we, aliens. That's what started. People this. just obsessed with fucking <laughs> aliens. <laughs> we need to make a a movie that is about obsession, but the obsession is being obsessed with obsession. Yes, yes, and obsessed with beginning. Obsessed. It's, by an it's alien. obsessionception. It's it, just a two-hour Calvin Klein. It was ad. the other Della Reese show, fucked by an alien. Like, <laughs> it's touched by an angel, and there's fucked by an alien. <laughs> I don't know why it was a big hit, but it was. <laughs> She's dead now. That's like a really uh, unfortunate uh, joke. I did not even. I totally forgot about that. That's terrible. Michael landing your ass. Like, there's a lot of. I'm sorry. What were we talking about? <laughs> this is you this, fuckers invited me to do this. This is the best podcast. This is this is what you get. <laughs> this is better than what I could have hoped for. Talk about unlawful <laughs> entry. <laughs> anyway. All right. <clears throat> Two more like actual questions and then uh and we're just going to drink the rest of this yes, whiskey yes. bottle. <clears throat> we're going to just let the recorder go and see what let happens. It, let it go. So, I do a bad movie night. Hey, good for you. Where I invite people over <laughs> yeah. and show them bad movies sure. that are great movies. It's not a good movie. Right. It's not good. It's just great. But there's no way to get someone to watch a bad movie unless you tell them, like, hey, this is a bad movie. You should have fun watching this. It's secretly awesome. And, like, I pair a really good movie 
with a terrible movie sure. to get them, again, like, you know, to trick them into it. So, like, I do uh, best worst movie. Always to trick your friends. <laughs> right? They know what I'm doing. I tell them on the front end. But, like, I do uh, best worst movie and troll 2. It's very polite. <laughs> best <laughs> worst movie and troll 2. <laughs> or E.T. and Mac and Me. Yeah. Or uh, The Crow and literally any Crow sequel. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking love your friends. <laughs> they hate me. What pairing would you do? Like, what bad movie would you want to get people to watch? Like, no, this movie is amazing, but if you try to tell them it's good, they're not going to be on board. Yeah. So the only way to get them to love and appreciate a bad movie is to trick them into watching it yeah. with pairing it with a good movie. Sure. What would that pairing be for you? I mean, I think doing, like, 1989's Batman with the Shadow is, oh, yeah, that'd be perfect. is a really good pairing because... The Shadow and the Phantom and Dick Tracy and the Rocketeer all only exist because of the success of Batman. Yes. And the studios had no idea. They were like, we're not going to... This is great. This is successful. We want to do that, but we don't want to pay for the characters that we know. <laughs> so we're going to buy fucking pulp radio fucking characters in the 30s. Um, I, uh, I also think that... Like, I also think that like... You were talking about aliens fucking people, so that's <laughs> <laughs> that's in my head now. It's like doing Alien with Extra, I think, is an yes. interesting like pairing of movies. I think uh, I, will, I will say this though: there is one part of the Shadow that is superior to the '89 Batman, and that is the action scenes because Tim Burton is not a great action director. Tim Batman, the the first Batman movie, is not an action movie. Tim Burton, it's yeah, man, I don't. And the action scenes in the shadow are fucking amazing. Like the set pieces are actually pretty. There is one movie I have ever seen where I thought Tim Burton was a great director. I think Tim Burton is a great production designer. I yes. think Tim Burton has a style. The only movie I have ever seen that I thought Tim Burton was a great director was Ed Wood. I yeah. think everything else is just Tim Burton being a weirdo who I would, fucking gets. Weirdos. I would probably throw Batman Returns in there. I. Th I th I absolutely love Batman Returns. Uh, Batman well, Returns and Ed Wood. What you need to do with Danny DeVito? Well, I guess that is, that is true. That is true. I don't need to. You know, you don't have to direct is uh, fucking Christopher Walken. <laughs> <laughs> that guy will just. Here's here's a crazy thing about Batman Returns. By the way, I mean you guys know this, but uh, Two Face was supposed to be in Batman Returns, mm -hmm. and the studio bought Billy D. Williams out of his contract. Because they did not love the idea of a black Two-Face. Mm -hmm. Which is fucking stupid. So awful. Because Two-Face has a burnt... Who gives a shit what color that dude is? He's got a burnt face. Also, Billy D. Williams. Fuck you Imagine for not putting Billy D. Williams in this movie. Fucking Billy D. Williams Two-Face. Maybe they were too scared well, of just... in the movie, but... Yeah, Here's the thing, though. Him the Max Shrek, played by Christopher Walken, was supposed to be <laughs> Harvey Dent. And at the end of the movie, when Michelle Pfeiffer electrocuted, that's how he was supposed to be become Two-Face. Mm. He was electrocuted by Catwoman. He was going to be Two-Face. That is a much better fucking movie. And the follow-up movie with Michael Keaton as Batman and Billy Dee Williams as Two-Face instead of Val Kilmer as Batman. And I love him to death, but Tommy Lee Jones as Two-Face <laughs> yes. because his grandkids told him it would be fun. <laughs> yes, true story. that is That's true. That's why that is he true. did Two Face. It's because his grandkids are like, we like this character, and he's like, I'm gonna search every outhouse, doghouse. I want to be this guy with two faces. What was the? No, no, no. no. There's a, there's some kind of quote 
Something that Tommy Lee Jones says that is fucking. He uses a word I can't even remember. Fuck it, never mind. There's <laughs> some Lee word that he uses talking about why he did Batman Forever. And it's just like nobody actually speaks money. This way. Yeah. I love money, money is why. And the quote is I love money. <laughs> no, the the better Everyone story is on Men in Black where Tommy Lee Jones was cast before Will Smith, and they were having trouble casting somebody to go alongside Tommy Lee Jones, and Tommy Lee Jones hated the movie throughout most of the uh, the filming because he's like this is why are you, like this is not a jokey movie this is a serious you can't have Tommy Lee Jones was convinced that you can't like either this is a sci-fi movie or it's a comedy it can't be both because he's old and grouchy and doesn't sure. understand but then when he started seeing the fucking dailies with him and Will Smith he's like oh Oh, you can do both. And then signed on to the next two fucking movies. <laughs> like, but he, he did not think it worked because he didn't think you could do both at the same time. So, you know. Do you think that Men in Black is the last good buddy cop movie? No. No, no, definitely no. not. Because we have the nice guys. That is a great buddy cop movie. Uh, Kiss Kiss Mang So basically anything <laughs> Shane Black Shane Black good. movies Yeah that's where we're going fucking, uh, Iron Man and that fucking kid In Iron Man 3 uh, <laughs> fucking, No I'll tell you another great buddy cop movie I love Is Dread and uh, Olivia Newton John No <laughs> What's her name the, the chick from Olivia Thurlby In Dread the two of them together, I think. Oh, was a great yeah, I didn't buddy even think about movie. that. That's a good point. That's, um, that's good. Yeah, no, there's been a lot of great buddy cop movies. Can, can cop be- out is not one of them. <laughs> I have, I'm you, actually, Kevin, hey, Kevin Smith, if you're listening to this, go fuck as yourself. Much as I, Kevin Smith is probably the reason why I am sitting here right now, but I've never seen Cop Out, and I probably never will, because I <laughs> I just can't. I, I don't think I can do it. Fuck him. I also have not seen Yoga Hosers. I, did, I watched Tusk. And, and you're not writing that guy off. You're a right. much more lenient so, man than I am. So I've not seen Cop Out. What if it's on purpose? Like, what if he's true? Like, what if? It's what if not. it's one? It's not two. If it was, which is tough. I think at this point, I Tusk think it's on purpose. And <clears throat> fuck you. I Kevin. think at this point, Kevin Smith just doesn't give a shit anymore. He give a shit. Not necessarily that he doesn't like I think he's just like I'm going to go and just have fun making this movie. I don't really care if it's good or not. He, I'm just No, it's worse than I'm that. I'm just throwing it's, Well, it's, it's worse it's than also, that. It's it's his, him saying I hope this movie pisses off critics because fuck critics. And it's that's like true. that's great. Uh that makes you a terrible filmmaker. Well, and also You're literally making movies that you know are going to piss off critics as a joke that you and you alone are in on. Well, Congratulations, you're a sack of shit. Also, <laughs> the entire premise of Tusk was Kevin Smith and Scott Mosier getting stoned and just talking about like, hey, what if we made a walrus movie on the on Smodcast and then they made the, the actually made the movie. The fat version of the kid from Sixth Sense. Let's put him <laughs> in a movie. Like, fuck. I'm sorry, I had to sit through fucking Tusk. Fuck Kevin Smith. Fuck that movie. Like, I'm I I won't apologize. Fuck him and fuck his movies. <laughs> like the great in the '90s were great for you, and then you kept doing it you and the horse you rode in on so, so i want to go back a second bad movie pairings yes <laughs> oh yes that's where we were going <laughs> what do you think about this pairing because i think that it's a bad movie bad movie pairing okay theodore rex jesus fucking christ <laughs> with rawhead rex oh uh, what the f- are you doing <laughs> Do you hate the people you're inviting this over is, for this? this or? Why don't you just throw Human Centipede on there, <laughs> too, and make it like... Theodore Rex and Rawhead Rex. <laughs> no, it'd be Human Centipede and James the Giant Peach. I'm listening. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? 
You know, because there are bugs in the peach. That it's a human symbiote. Um, wait, what? <laughs> That's your f okay. All right. That's your connective tissue, okay. apparently. Uh -oh. um, <laughs> don't don't say connective tissue when talking about human centipede, please. <laughs> I don't. I don't know where you, where you're at right now, but that's all right. <laughs> Brian's not even drunk enough to go there, dude. No, okay, hold on. I want to take hold a on, look. Let him swig. <laughs> what the f James the giant. All right. What? <laughs> I think we broke Brian. Wow, that's an average-sized peach. What is going on? <laughs> Wait. Okay. Shit. All right. No, I'm gonna make this work. All right. Yeah. All we right. gotta we gotta do a pairing. Hold on. No. 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 I'm gonna make this work. I'm gonna make what he said. James and the giant peach. Hold on. Oh no, I got it. I got it. No, I got it. I got it. Get a pairing. I got it. So, text lingo, right? Everybody uses emojis now to to communicate. What's the emoji they use for ass? A peach. You're welcome. I just fucking solved your problem. So it's James the giant ass. James and the giant emoji. Feed her. Man, man, you guys are like married to people. We, the, well, the good thing is they don't listen to the podcast. Good for you, wow. Those are patient. Actually, women. that's not my wife listens to the podcast sometimes, and then she texts me about it while she's listening. Just what's wrong? With she's having conversations with the version of me in the past that was on the podcast, and just sending the the things she was saying to him to me. Y'all are you? These are some patient women. That's all I'm gonna say. That's You're all I'm gonna best. say. All right. Last actual question that I have planned. My favorite Schwarzenegger movie. No. Last actual question. <laughs> almost, actually, almost. <laughs> if you could go back in time. Say last action hero. That's what I was saying. <laughs> last actual question starring Schwarzenegger. No, no. If you can go back in time, what. I can if I drink enough. <laughs> or if you write a story about an egg. What would yeah. you. Do uh, like what would you put in a film festival? Like what would ten year old you <laughs> put as a film festival? Not just as like <laughs> these are like the formative movies yeah. that made me, but also just like ah, you know, it's, it's a lot. I want to watch with a group of people. Ten year old yes. me would have definitely put the Muppet movie in a festival. Ten year old me was obsessed with the Muppet movie. Um, Thirty six year old me would still put the Muppet well, and that's movie the thing is like festival. I was obsessed with the Muppet movie show. despite the fact that I didn't know who half the celebrities were in that movie. I was just obsessed with the fact that it was a Muppet movie. Um, I also, I, I beat the drum in middle school and high school trying to get all my friends to watch uh, Alfred Hitchcock's Rope, which if oh, you haven't so seen good. is an incredible fucking exercise because it's a three-shot movie. Um, it's a it's it's based on a play and it feels like it. It's very theatrical and there's three shots in the whole movie. Uh, people tell you people will tell you it's a uh, oh there's an unbroke it's an entire unbroken shot. It's not. It, they didn't have enough film. It's to, three shots, but to, yeah, but it's three fucking shots. If, like, if, that if, is still a very impressive movie. If Hitchcock was here today, it would be an entire unbroken take. He was limited yes. by the technology he had. But they still. I mean, the fact that it's three shots. It's, I mean, that's very impressive. impressive. Um, and then I think, uh, I think I was obs like, God, 10 year old me, uh, 
Ten-year-old me had this habit of watching Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory in about 20 minutes because I would fast forward through everything before they got to the factory. Cheer up, Charlie. How about speed up, Charlie? That is absolutely hilarious because I did. I would do the same thing. Like the songs and stuff in the beginning, I'm like, I, I hate, absolutely hate this. But as soon as I get to the Chocolate Factory, it's cheer up, Charlie. How about speed up, Charlie? Like let's fucking get to the factory because I don't have time for this shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean those those are some of the like I'm trying to think to, like when I got later in in like middle school and high school like I would add like mafia movies to that I would add Hitchcock movies to that I would add like um, like I remember I was obs- <laughs> I was obsessed with a really terrible fucking mafia movie called uh, Mobsters. I don't know if you guys have seen this. It's Patrick Dempsey, Christian Slater, uh, Costas Mandalore. Uh, where they, it's basically the retelling of the uh, Castellamari's War. It, it, God damn it. Uh, <laughs> so, Joe Mazzaria versus Maranzamo. It, it's basically how Lucky Luciano and Meyer Lansky made their bones was playing these two sides off of each other. Uh, the old mustache Pete, mustache Pete era of. Uh, God damn it. Like, <laughs> anyway, the point is, it's basically Young Guns. Uh, it was nicknamed Young Tommy Guns, this uh, movie, because it was just a nice. bunch of fucking young studly actors who were cast it. But that was like that was like later, like middle school, high school era. So ten year old me would be like, Yeah, the Muppet movie, uh Follow That Bird. Oh my god, Follow That Bird was such an influential movie to me as a the kid. Sesame Street movie, that was sad. Dude, that movie's great. That movie, like, is to this day an amazing piece of filmmaking and does not get the credit it deserves. I've never seen it. So I'm there ain't no from. road to it's basically it is basically Cannonball Run, <laughs> but with Sesame Street with, with Big Bird. It's, it's Sesame Street Cannonball Run. That's what that movie is. It's all of the fucking Sesame Street characters taken to the road to find Big Bird in basically in two by two pairs with just a dash of uh, slavery. Uh, there's with, a, with, with I hate that I him. can't disagree with you. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> What's like, your what's your he name? To, he started to disagree. What's your name? Like, ah. Big Bird Kinte. No, like, it's, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's it's definitely got its fucking roots and roots. For Twelve sure. years a bird. Twelve years a bird. It's <laughs> God fucking damn it. That's horrifying. No, like that was the part that was so sad is when they captured Big Bird and, and had him in a giant in cage yeah. and. Yeah, it's basically that scene from Pinocchio where it's like, we're going to Constantinople. And it's like, no, I'm going to go to the island where kids get turned into donkeys because that's not a fucking horrifying Cronenberg <laughs> yeah. movie. What the fuck, Disney? Yeah. See, what that the was, that's the origins of Disney movies being horror movies. Well, okay, fucking not the origin, but at least. <laughs> you smoke a cigar, you transform into a donkey. Like, that's a one-to-one comparison. <laughs> Jesus I do know Christ. a lot of jackasses. Can you imagine the warning label on a pack was, of cigarettes where it's uh, like, you will turn into a donkey? No, because that's fucked <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah, like, what What was in that cigar? Like, weed. It was obviously a giant blunt. Uh, no, it's weed, crystal there is, I was going to say, like, there is something. Weed? There is way more than weed. Have I've you, smoked weed and never say, once thought I was turning into a donkey. <laughs> And you've had Austin weeds. So. I have had Austin weeds. And never once was I like, I'm turning into a donkey. I thought, like, I can't put my foot on the floor because it's going through the floor. The floor. <laughs> Why? 
Never Why like is the floor receding away from my foot. Never like I'm gonna go to Pleasure Island and turn into a fucking beast of burden. Like, no. What are we talking about? God, I don't even know what this. Follow point. that beast of burden. <laughs> we're talking about. That's where they put the Rolling Stones in a cage. They put Did, themselves in the despite cage despite all okay. their rage. <laughs> I don't know if we can words anymore. All right. We can't words anymore. <laughs> the words. <laughs> Why did you agree to podcast with us? Because <laughs> it was that or just sitting here by myself and uh, I weighed the <laughs> options and uh, this seemed like the better. <laughs> like you know what? Yeah. We'll take it. Yeah. We'll take <laughs> Maybe Maybe don't pull pity, it that pity. <laughs> we will. We will take your pity podcasting. Don't look, don't look at gift horse. Don't look at gift donkey in the mouth. If it's going to smoke a cigar, I'm still very confused about what's happening right now. All right. <clears throat> Brian, where do you want people to find you? You should listen to Junk Food Cinema because it is one of my three favorite podcasts. Like, hands down, no question about it. Thank listen to much. Junk Food Cinema. That's right. Uh, and, and, like, I mean that seriously. That is not just kind of like, hey, we're talking to you. I'm I, gonna I feel say, like if you were lying, it would be very evident. Uh, but you're not because we did this and you're still <laughs> saying that. Um, <laughs> the fact that I have a V.I. Wachowski Blu ray for Cargill to sign. I can't fucking wait. Can't wait. Right, for okay, that to after, he's, after he signs it, are you going to watch the movie? Yes. Are you going to invite me over for a bad movie night? Okay, what are you going to pair with VI Worship? Oh, God, yes. What would we pair? Uh, a hot dog with a pepperoncini on it, because apparently in Chicago, they love to put fucking pepperoncinis <laughs> on a fucking hot dog. Like, that's a thing people do. And no, not what, your, not your, what, not what food movie? pairing. Not the oh. junk food pairing, uh, the good movie pairing. Oh. <laughs> not the thing that wait, you sorry, do. I'm like, wait, you just asked me what we do every day on our podcast. <laughs> you already did that one. Okay, so what would I pair with a good movie? Uh, Blues Brothers? Ooh, interesting. No, no. I'll tell you what I pair with, which is a good Chicago detective kind of uh, film noir, is Code of Silence, which to my in my money still to this day is the only the good only Chuck good Chuck, movie. Yeah, is <laughs> <laughs> Code of Silence. It's directed by Andrew Davis, who is the guy who made every like he made The Fugitive, he made The Package, mm -hmm. he like every every great movie that's based in Chicago is made by Andrew Davis. So Andrew Davis is basically the fucking. Uh, the Chicago Bears fans, the fanatics on SNL of film directors. He's uh, like, yeah, it's me and Dennis Farina. We're going to make fucking movies in Chicago, don't you know? Um, but yeah, what were we talking about? <laughs> That's the, what I would The good movie with. to pair with V.R. Wachowski. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So since you talked about the food, what junk food pairing would you do with this episode of the Gargoyle Podcast? Bud Lights. Yes, yes, and uh, some good no, old Chattanooga, yeah. Chattanooga, Chattanooga whiskey, whiskey, man. That's some good shit. 1816, like made in 2016. This, this amazing Chattanooga whiskey. Is this the Chattanooga whiskey that Joe Bob was making fun of last night? Okay, just just checking. I love Joe Bob Riggs to death. I love him. He is like, and I said this on on my Facebook. Like, I don't feel like junk food cinema would exist without people like Joe Bob Riggs because Joe Bob Riggs is somebody who respects genre to the point that he is an academic a fucking scholar of genre and that is what i i kind of hope to bring with every episode of junk food cinema is not just here's why we love it but here's some context here's some interesting facts about because half the time even if a movie is not good the story behind how it got made the story behind 
like the connections between it and other things like that gives it a new life right and joe bob riggs is a fucking professor of that insight and i feel like if it weren't for people like joe bob riggs we would not have our podcast i hear so, a butt coming on because <laughs> you were <laughs> but <laughs> his mo recently has been shitting on things that i love and he shit all over uh chud, chud. He shit all over, um, what was the movie the last week? And then he shit all over this Chattanooga whiskey that I've been drinking like a fucking sailor for the last two days. <laughs> but, to be fair, to be fair, to be fair, he was shitting on the terrible fucking description online, which was so up its own ass. Like you, oh, Yeah, if the really description was. was just, it's whiskey, drink it. 1816 like Reserve is an innovative update to our traditional straight bourbon whiskey, utilizing our own version of the classic Solera process. Fuck <laughs> you. <laughs> the, the our was version of the there. Solera process? The Solera process, I'm pretty sure, was a sci-fi movie in the 70s, <laughs> starring Harvey They're, Keitel and Sam Waterston. Their slogan should be, Chattanooga whiskey, it's better than Old Crow. We bring together over 100 fully aged barrels of 1816 to one large... A charred oak solera <laughs> barrel after fuck you sideways like it's fucking good. All it should say is this whiskey is good. <laughs> this whiskey is whiskey. That's it. Excuse me. As I take a gulp of this fucking whiskey from straight from the bottle because I'm a fucking heathen. <laughs> you notice You're like everybody else left like an hour ago. Like this festival might have be over i don't well, know no, they're they're all going to take pictures with crispin glover because that's happening hey right now. man get oh. your damn hands off me <laughs> that is a thing that he actually <laughs> <laughs> so i i will those forever... are the only the only pictures that you can take of him though i will forever be able to say to people that i got to watch crispin glover eat chinese food by himself in a park during this film festival oh because that happened i i literally looked over why like didn't the... you text us <laughs> Because I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't know what to do. He was like, he's sitting over there in a park eating Chinese food by himself. Dot, 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 dot. Like, what do I do? I, I think that was part of his skit. It wasn't? Some performance art. Where's a goddamn character? He was getting into character. <laughs> Where can people find you, Brian? Beers. Uh, <laughs> At the Chattanooga Film Festival. Lock mothers lock up your bars. Uh I uh yeah, you know, Junk Food Cinema at Junk Food Cinema, Junk Food Cinema on iTunes and Spotify, at Bry Guy Salisbury, like all the fucking whatever, social media. You know. Please, yes, guys. Anymore? Listen to Junk Food Cinema where Brian is sure to be at least fifty percent more sober than he is now. <laughs> no <laughs> Giant shrug. <laughs> You know, I think this is his baseline when this he starts. Yeah. This is the baseline. When I, so Brian, what is your baseline I, for drunkenness? When I get a chance to be like irresponsible, when I don't have to like wake up in the morning with kids and change diapers, like this is pretty much me. So. Understandable. <laughs> so from here, I'm gonna get like 2014 Brian drunk. Like it's it's gonna be a hell of a thing. So <laughs> let's let's get after it. Eric, where do you want people to find you? You can follow me on Twitter at the Chimera. Uh, yeah, the Chimerican. That's me. <laughs> you can find me on Instagram. <laughs> it's not with the bear. <laughs> we are ruining the short films I'm on, in there. I'm on Instagram somewhere. I don't know. I don't use it hardly ever. 
I think you're Chimerican Reviews on Instagram. Yes, I am Chimerican Reviews on Instagram because that is something that I do sometimes is review things. It's war, but it's beer. <laughs> Where can people find you on Letterboxd? Eric J-A-Y. <laughs> <laughs> and also, if you look at the people I'm following, you could find Bry Guy Salisbury. Unlock the mini bar. <laughs> <laughs> you can follow me on Facebook and on Instagram at The Gargoyle Podcast. On Twitter at Gargoyle Podcast and on Litterboxd at The Gargoyle. <laughs> and if you somehow have made it through this episode and Hi. would like to hear more of me and Eric being idiots talking about movies, uh, be sure to follow us on. I, I love that you're putting the idiocy of this podcast <laughs> on you guys. There is that nothing. Is, that is fucking magnanimous. Magnet- wow. <laughs> Let's try again. Magnanimous as shit that you're blaming yourselves for how stupid this episode was. This is not outside the norm. <laughs> norm mcdonald it's not outside the norm mcdonald it's just a bunch of anal rape jokes uh, oh my god because that's what he does that is what norm mcdonald does you can find, subscribe on itunes stitcher spotify or wherever you get uh, your podcast subscribe because of you know anal rape <laughs> it's my norm mcdonald impression spot on spot on spotify <laughs> Spot on Spotify. Oh my god. I'm gonna I'm gonna go get my picture taken with Crispin Glover before this because because that is He might be home by now. <laughs> hey, take your goddamn hands off me. <laughs> Where's the corkscrew? All day long I'll do that shit. Leave reviews if you enjoyed this. If you didn't enjoy this, uh don't leave a review. Do not leave a review. Don't pretend you know us. No. Don't leave a review. Alright. Uh, yes, just do a search for the Gargoyle Podcast. That's G-A-R-G-Y-L-E because it is a gargoyle wearing an Argyle sweater. It's not named after Cargill's character on Spill. Apparently, that's kind of what I thought for a while. <laughs> no, it's because I like wordplay. And, you know, I like gargoyles and Argyle I don't sweaters. Wordplay. What are puns? <laughs> I don't get it. Really? You? I don't get it. Still just oh, you guys. All right, it's open. That's been it for this episode of the Gargoyle Podcast. I'm Nathan, aka the Gargoyle, <laughs> and I'm Eric, aka the Guy American. And I'm Brian, aka I'm gonna <laughs> more booze. And we have to that we bar. have to get off here to to restrain Brian. <laughs> it's right there, you guys. And remember, kids, go listen to Junk Food Cinema because uh, it it is amazing. Because the weed of crime bears bitter fruit. And that bitter fruit is our broadcast. <laughs> and listen to their episode on The Shadow, which they are doing live here <laughs> at the Chattanooga <laughs> Film Festival. Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> All right, bye. <laughs> <laughs>